ever since God has created this world and man's rebellion against him, God cursed the human race. And that curse continues right down to our day. You could read all about it in Genesis chapter 3. Then we see the result of man's rebellion against God. Death came into the world and sin and and time went on for a while. You see, he destroyed the world by a flood. And it went on for another 7,000 years. And now we're living in a day where God is through with the churches. And now God's judgment is upon the whole world. And we see the multiplication of sin in our day. There is no accident why that happens. God now has given man up to his own lust of his own heart. And now we're living in that day. According to the Bible, that God has given us a tremendous amount of information about the day in which we're living in. You see how he raised up family radio and he has used Mr. Camping and, uh, and others in a mighty, mighty way to share this gospel as we see it went out in all the world for his elect to hear it. God's elect now, all of his elect are saved. The door to heaven is closed. And now God is about to end this world and complete the salvation that he has given to his people through Christ. It ought to be a great joy in the child of God's life because we are right at the very edge of eternity. Who would have thought? I'm not pretty sure any one of us here didn't think we would be living in this time. So very close to the end of the world. But this is where we're living at. Anyone, as they look at the world, you see sin is everywhere. And you know, you read Romans 1, the sin of, of homosexuality is everywhere. No nation is immune to it. And you see the destruction of the family and you see all sorts of things that's happening that wasn't 50, 60 years ago. You know, it was some kind of respect for, for, for things, but not anymore. God now has given man up and as we look at this physical creation that is under the curse of God, when you read in like in Romans chapter 8, this physical creation that we're living in is waiting to be released from the bondage of the corruption. It's, it's, it's groaning to be released. In Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 19, Romans chapter 8, verse 19, we read, For the earnest expectation of the creature is the creation waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature, the creation itself, shall, shall uh, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That word delivered there is the word, uh, is, I believe it's the word, um, it's going to be delivered. It's going to be released, set free from the bondage of corruption. So this creation that we're living in, too, are waiting to be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Also, the child of God also is groaning waiting to be delivered from this our bodies which are still under the curse of sin that's why we get sick and we die and you look at this creation you see earthquakes you see mudslides you see all sorts of disasters that happen to this creation because God had to curse it because of man's sin and we're hoping we have a great hope that October 7th will be that day when finally Man, the children of God, and this creation will be delivered. God creates new heaven and new earth, wherein never, evermore that this creation or man will never fall into sin again. 
never will it happen. Never will God set up a test that man would, he would try man again like he did in the Garden of Eden. No longer will that happen. Man will never fall into sin again in a new heaven and new earth. It will never happen throughout all eternity. All eternity. But uh, when you turn over to Luke 21, I look at this verse in Luke 21, and we're going to start reading at verse um, 29. Luke 21, verse 29, we read, And he spake unto them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye, sh ye see and know for your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, and cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unawares, or as a snare shall it come upon uh, upon all them that dwell in the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. And in that, and in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple. And at night he went out and abode in the mount called Olives, mount that is called Mount Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. Look at a little bit at verse uh, 33. Verse 33, God tells us, it's absolute fact, heaven and earth shall pass away. It, he will destroy it. You know, when you start speaking about the end of this world, people in this world think you're crazy. They think all sorts of things that when you're looking for this new heaven and new earth, which God will create on that last day. But he clearly tells us this world will pass away. It's, it's not the home of the true believers. We're strangers and pilgrims in this, in this world. We're just a passing through. So we shouldn't be caught up in this world like the unsaved does because this is... This is where he has all his dreams and hopes and aspirations, and, and, and this is all he's going to get. But the actions is not on the side of this. On this side, it's on, it's on the other side of eternity. Because, you know, unsaved man, you know, when things happen to this world, disasters happen, he panics. You see in the news that people are talking about global warming. They're trying desperately to prolong this, this, this world, which is under the curse of God. He's trying his best to do this or pass laws to protect the environment and all these things and that and the other. But God declares that he, this heaven and earth will pass away. It's not a maybe or, or anything like that. It, he will destroy it. Absolutely will destroy it. And, and we look forward to it when he, he, when he does it. Because when he destroys this universe, it's not only this earth. But everything that's out there, he says the universe is going to melt with fervent heat. He says it in First Peter. Remember that familiar verse in First Peter chapter? Is that Second Peter or First Peter? Second. 
2 Peter. Yes, 2 Peter chapter 3. Here we read. Uh, in verse 7, we start reading in verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us work, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. He's telling us that these things are going to happen. Then it's verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in our holy conversation and godliness, looking for, hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, he's, he's repeating himself, make sure we get the point, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the element shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, the we there are God's elect, according to his promise. Remember now, God's promise are faithful and true. His promise are certain and sure that he will do what he says he will do. Look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, which are the true believers, seeing that ye look for, we're looking for it, in, in God's word, the Bible, for such, for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. He will destroy this present universe. Absolutely no question about it. And he will he used the example of a flood. He did destroy the surface of the earth during uh, the flood in Noah's day. He didn't destroy the universe. The surface of it, he destroyed. And he started over with, with Noah and so forth. But in this day which we are approaching with great hope that it will happen that he will destroy everything you see in this universe it will he will burn it up with fire everything the elements or whatever he used to he uses to this, to create this universe it's it's not a difficult thing for god to do at all remember he spoke and he created it he spoke to the the, the he spoke to the oceans and all source of fishes were created he spoke to the to, to the heavens and the stars and the planets and all he did was just speaking and all these things were was created so for him to destroy it he's to speak a word and it's all gone he, he destroys it just like that you know god is god and he is almighty god and we can't even fathom someone like that and there's i believe there's other creations that he has that we know nothing about what was he doing from eternity past? And you know God works. He doesn't like idleness. He doesn't sit around not doing anything. And and we, we can't even, our little minds can't fathom such a great and awesome God. We can't, we can't picture it. We can't, in eternity we will begin to understand a little bit more. But right now in our little peanut minds, we can't. Can't, can't under, we can't picture someone who could, create something out of nothing when you read in Isaiah 40 where he how the nations are like a drop in a bucket 
are it's next to nothing to him. We can't begin, begin to fathom that in our little mind, that this is the God that we serve, who will, who will do all these things for unworthy, unprofitable servants as we are. Is not one of us deserves salvation. Not one of us can say, if you're truly a child of God, and say, this is why God saved me. We can't say that. We can't say that. Oh, he saved me because I was I did this or did that. No, we're, we're not saved by our works. It's by the work of Christ. Remember, in Philip, Philip, I think it's Ephesians, God tells us we're saved to the praise and glory of God. That's it. We're saved to the praise and glory of God. That's it. Why he saved you or doesn't save that person or doesn't save a next person in your family, we don't know. It is God's sovereign choice why he saved you or he saved that one or this one in that nation or it seems like there's only 200 million people that he will save throughout the history of this world uh, is God's business. It's not for us to sit here and say, oh, Lord, why? No. Whatever God says, we do it without question. We, you know, if he says it from his his word, the, the Bible, and and that is where we we're looking for uh, on October seventh. If if we're indeed correct, that I don't see why we're not correct. But you know, we're we're humans. We have to walk very humbly before God, and we at the end of the day we say, "Oh Lord, may Your perfect will be done. May Your perfect will be done," and we leave it in God's hands. See, but. This is the great hope of the child of God, looking for the return of Christ, looking for these things. But he says that he will, he will create new heavens and new earth, that he will destroy this universe, no matter what man says. I remember I was on a track trip once, I think it was before May 21. I don't remember which country I was at. I, I walked up to this young gentleman and uh, he said, we don't believe that stuff. You, you know, he probably was about 15 years old, and he was very articulate in what he believes. Tells us, oh, we believe in evolution here, and this and that and the other. And, <laughs> and I, he, he just went on. I just stood there just looking at him. And he was very vocal about what he, was, what he believed. But evolution was his thing. You know, and he, he went on about it and went on about it. He says the world's going to continue on for another couple million years and this and the other. And But, you know, the good thing is that he did take the track. He did read it. <laughs> he was looking at it. But you never know that, you know, God may have had mercy up, upon him. And and many of the churches today, too, during the church age, they, I remember speaking to a pastor once who didn't believe the first five chapters of Genesis. Hey, this is a pastor. Said I forgot what he said. The word he used to say why he didn't believe it, but he didn't believe the first five chapters of Genesis. It never happened or something. He said that, that effect. And and this is a pastor. I believe it was a, of a Baptist church. Didn't believe the first five books of Genesis. I mean, I was shocked. You know that here's a pastor doesn't believe creation, that God created these things. You know, it, it was shocking to, to behold, but but the churches too, you know, they have, they have developed a doctrine throughout the church age that, you know, they have the prosperity gospel thing on TV and and the and the church and the world bought into it, you know, because they 
Remember, God warns us, the child of God, not to love this world. Remember in 1 John 1? In, in 1 John, I believe. First uh, John chapter 1, verse chapter 2. God tells us, the true believers, because God is going to destroy this earth. He says, love not the world. You know, yes, we live in this world. We're true believers. We still have to function in, in this world. We still like everybody else. And if a disaster strike in an area, the true believer's home could be blown down or damaged or, you know, all these things. But this is not our home. See, he says, he tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. God tells us, it's very direct. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. He tells us the world passes away. He's going to destroy it on the last day. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And verse 18, little children, when you see that in the Bible, most of the time, he's speaking to the child of God. Little children, God calls us, if you go to the, the book of First John, Second John, you see how God used the term little children quite a bit. He says, little children, it is the last time, last time, at, and as he has heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists whereby ye know that it is the last time. And, and uh, uh, God, God goes on. But he warns, to, tells us, he is going to destroy, this world is passing away, he tells us. Uh, look at Psalm 102. In Psalm 102, God clearly tells us. In Psalm 102, I believe, verse 25. Psalm 102, verse 25. There we read. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth. You know, God is the creator. Uh, and uh, the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish. It's this creation. He's telling us they shall perish. But thou, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment and as a vesture thou shalt change them and they shall be changed so he's telling us these things in verse but but thou art the same verse 27 and thy years shall have no end the children of thy servants shall continue and their seed shall be established before thee but there he tells us in verse 26 about this present earth in which we live they shall perish this, this universe absolutely they will perish he's going to destroy it on that last day um, turn back over to Matthew chapter 6 in Matthew chapter 6 and these are familiar passages that we're familiar with where God is telling us like in verse verse 19 in Matthew chapter 6 he tells us, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and, and rust thus corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. So he, he says, he says, he says, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be, uh, is, is, shall be full of light. So God is telling us that not supposed to lay up treasure. You know, treasure brings us like that something that we, 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 we like, or something that we treasure, something that's dear to us. And the things of this life shouldn't be dear to us. Not like the way the unsaved man does. The unsaved people, they trust in their, their riches. They trust in their own wisdom. They trust in their own knowledge. They trust in the things the world produces. Uh, and we sh the true believer should never be that way. We have God has given us the greatest riches, the greatest gift ever. There's no uh, treasure on earth that could come close to what God has given the child of God. He's given us eternal life. We're the inheritors of the new heaven and new earth. What more could be possibly more precious than that? There's nothing come close to what God has given to us. Nothing. You know, you see people in the world, you know, they can't wait to win the lottery. You know, they... And they're, they're, these are temporary things. When you die, a rich man dies, what does he take? We see the, the parable of the rich, Lazarus and the rich man. Who had it going on? It was... Lazarus did, and to our eyes, he had nothing. But on one hand, he had everything, because God had given him eternal life. See, the rich man, all he was worried about where to put his riches, to build bigger barns and do this, and what happened? God says, tonight your soul will be required of you. And what did he do with his, with, with his riches? It didn't, it didn't descend after him in his in the grave where he goes, he left it all behind. So what good is it? So as as you're a child of God, we look away from the things of this life. It is not where the where the action is. He's on the other side when in a new heaven and new earth. Remember you remember uh, Moses, he forsook all the treasures of Egypt because he saw that he his eyes was on eternal things. He was looking for the new heaven and new earth. And that's where what the true believers were looking for. The new heaven and new earth where Christ, these things are eternal. The things of this world are temporary riches. They're, it means nothing. Nothing whatsoever. And that's what the world go after. That's why he, the unsaved people of the world, they try desperate to hold on to these things. You know, they, they, they find security in it. They want financial security. They want these things. And it is, it is, they're being deceived by it. These things in this life. But for the child of God, we seek those things in Colossians 3, 1, I believe. God says, if we be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, eternal things, eternal riches, we, that's where we turn our attention to. Remember we read in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, turn to Philippians chapter 3, remember we read that earlier? Paul the Apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He's, he's, he's writing these things, and it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, verse 17 in Philippians chapter 3, Brethren, be followers together of me, with Paul the Apostle being a, a picture of Christ, and mark them which 
walk so as ye have us for an example for many walk of whom I told you often that there I tell you even weeping they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is this destruction whose God is their belly who glory in their shame who mind earthly things uh, the church have formulated the gospel during the church age uh, uh, based on these things they they serve a God that their God low case G that can provide supposedly these things for them and there's another uh, verse there uh, how as God moved Paul the Apostle to write that he count these things but dung that he may win Christ uh, what verse is that I know he's right here in Philippians 3 uh, in verse 7 Philippians 3 verse 7 but what things were gained to me those I count lost for Christ and says yea doubtless and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and we all know what dung is and that's how really we have to look at these things in this life these are temporal things it's temporal you know it's it, it should mean yeah I know we need uh, you know a job and so forth but this is not where our heart is our treasure is in heaven and that's where the true believers heart is and we want the Lord Jesus to come we want him to return to create new heavens and new earth where we'll be with them the unsaved of the world they want to put him off as far in the future as possible not now you know I was thinking the other day if Christ would come 35 years from now people living 35 years from now would say oh Lord not now I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen my kids grow up yet I haven't seen my grandkids well I'm only a teenager I didn't get a chance to live any life yet and they, they would put it off off in a distant future no time soon because they want to enjoy the things of this life a child of God is not in that way if you are a child of God you have one desire is for God's perfect will to be done so here we're approaching the date of October 7th we should approach it with great joy and great expectation could this be the day could this be the day when I finally see my Lord face to face in a new heaven and a new earth wow remember he tells us you know we this world will never come into mind anymore we're gonna no, face no more sorrow no more uh, death no more disappointments no more sin we won't have to struggle with sin anymore and you don't want this to happen wow so the Lord you're saving as, as long as you say oh Lord Jesus sing all these happy things then and oh don't talk about the return of Christ oh no 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 just serve the Lord you know but isn't this the end point that you're hoping would happen to be in the new heaven and new earth with Christ and here that it, we're looking at this day as his return and many people are saying oh Lord not so not so you know it shouldn't be a child of God no we have the strong desire to be with Christ that's where we want to be look at this world it's not getting any better it's not getting any better <laughs> if this world will continue for another 20 30 years what would what would man be doing uh, 10 20 years from now I don't want to know look at what's going on now I see the progression of evil all over the world there's a multiplication of sin all over the world you think man will do will finally figure it out or living better 
20, 30, 40 years from now? No. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want to think what he will be doing 20, 30 years from now. And it's, it's, it's real bad now what, what he's doing. But our, our, our heart, our desire, the true believer's desire is to be with Christ. That's where the true, the, the, the true believer's heart desire is, to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it should be. But um, let's go back over to uh, Luke 21 and keep this verse in mind. <clears throat> in Luke 21, uh, verse 33, he says, Heaven and earth shall pass away. It's not a maybe. It's the absolute fact that there it will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. God's word will not pass away. Wow. You can't, remember now, God is absolutely faithful to his promise. What he says, he will do it. He's, he's, he's not a man that he should say something and don't do it. God is not like that. Whenever he says, he may not come to pass right away, right then and there. Or maybe two, three years from when he said it. But you could, you could, it's an absolute fact that when God says something, like he says, the heaven and earth will, shall pass away. It is going to happen. It's absolute fact. When he says something that he will do it. Let's look at, um, let's look at, eyes. uh, no, uh, let's look at John chapter 1 for Isaiah. John chapter 1. God said his word and you can't separate the word of God from God because he is the word of God. You can't separate the two. I know many people have tried to do that but they always end up going on the wrong path. God says in John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word which is God. You see, he said, remember he says, you know, his word will not pass away. And he is the word of God. See, and the word was with God and the word was God. So when you connect that, that to, to, to the passage where the verse we're looking at, when he says his word there in, um, in, 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 in Luke 21, but my word shall not pass away. So here God is putting himself out there to say, when he says something, he will do it. It's a guaranteed fact that when God says something, because he is the word of God and the word made flesh, which is Christ. So you can't separate the two. It's, you know, we can't uh, pull that apart. Uh, look at verse um, 14 in John 1. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we received grace for grace. And God goes on. But here God is, is telling us when he says something, that he will do it. Look at... Um, Psalm, give us a little bit more information in Psalm 138. In Psalm 138, uh, start reading at verse, verse 1. 
Psalm 138, verse 1, another familiar passage. Psalm 138. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. God putting his word above his name. You see how true his word is. And it goes on. In the day when I cry, thou answereth me and strengthen me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Jehovah, when, thy, when they hear the words of thy mouth. And who are the kings of the earth? All true believers because we reign with him when we, he saves us. And the true believers are going to praise God for his word, the Bible. Uh, let's look at another passage. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Here it tells us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away. He's telling us again that the heaven and the earth we see will pass away. It says, one jot. And the tiniest little thing in God's law, he will bring it to pass. Our kittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. This is his word. He will bring to pass everything that he has said, that he has promised in his word, the Bible, for his people. Everything that he said, that he has promised. And you see the same idea there in Luke 16. Turn over to Luke. Luke 16, he says, in Luke 16, verse 14, is the same. He, he reworded it a, a little differently. In 16, verse 14, he says, in Luke chapter 16, verse 14, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. You know, it reminds me today when we're speaking of God with the gospel, and people in the world, they're deriding us. No one knows there they are. It's everywhere you go, whether in that country, this country, wherever you go, people always say no one knows that there they are. They may not know anything else about the Bible, but they know that one verse. No man knows that there they are. You know, no man knows. No man knows. You know. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Uh, is that the verse that I went? Yes, verse 17. And it, it's the same thing. And it says, It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. It's easier for all this earth and heaven to disappear. But God's words stand short. See, God's word is true. That's the point I'm trying to make. So, no matter what man might say or poke fun at us, we're trusting in God's word, the Bible. That's what we trust. We don't trust the man. We trust God's word, the Bible, and what he says in the Bible, that's what we trust. We trust God's word, the Bible. And if God declares something, although it may seem unpleasant, the world don't want to hear it, and you get mocked and laughed at or ridiculed, don't let that bother us. It's par for the course. These things are going to happen to us when we go forth with a gospel that this world 
is offended by. And they, it, God's word, when you bring forth the truth of God's word, man is offended by it. He doesn't want to hear it. Because God, God's word judges us. It judges mankind. And he doesn't want to hear it. You know, he'd rather hear the smooth things, you know, the lies and God loves everybody and bring something positive. That's what the world wants to hear. But when you start bringing, like Christ, when he brought the gospel, when he finally turned to the disciples and all the other people left him, he turned to the disciples and said to them, will he also go away? And the true believers won't. And said, Lord, thou hast the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? So the true believers will not turn away from God's word, the truth of God's word. We will not do that because God has given us spiritual eyes to see. And no matter who is offended, if, if you're going to be offended because I'm bringing a gospel, then so be it. But we should, the true believers are, are not offended at God's word, the Bible. Uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 7 and 8. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7 and 8. There we read. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of Jehovah bloweth upon it. Surely people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's word stand forever. So when he says he's going to create new heavens and new earth he's going to destroy this earth it's the absolute fact that it's it's going to happen it's an absolute fact god's words stand forever so when he declares something to us and you know the one of the the beautiful things about how god has written the bible he's he goes over the same thing to us over and over because he know you know we're we're we're, we're flesh and he he goes over the same the same he talks about something here this way and he talks about it this way, this way, but he's talking about the same thing. And he repeats himself. God repeats himself in the Bible over and over about the same thing. He, he repeats it because he knows that we could. I know, you know, I remember when Mr. Camping was talking about the faith of Christ. I'll never forget that. I heard it the first time in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, I believe, at, at, at the brunch. And he started talking about what we say about the faith of Christ. It went straight over my head, didn't connect until maybe two, three months later. When I heard him say it for the 1,000th time, then the light dawned. You know, and it reminds me of how God has written the Bible. He, he goes over it to, to us. He describes it in different ways. He uses different things to describe how wonderful the salvation is. Because he knows that how we're flesh. And he goes and he's patiently goes. All he has to do is say it once. But God in his mercy repeats it over and over and over again. And he will do what he has promised that he will do. Let's look at Numbers. Numbers chapter 23. Start reading at verse 16. Numbers, and pick up the context. Numbers chapter 23, verse 16. And Jehovah met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again to Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by the burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath Jehovah spoken? And he took up his parable. Hmm, well, you see the word parable in the book of Numbers. You know, the, the Bible is a parable, you know. Uh, and he took up his parable and said, 
Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. And it's impossible for him to lie, the Bible tells us. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? This is the word of God in that he speak. He's speaking the word. Has he? Is he going to make a promise to his people and don't do it? He says he's going to create new heavens and new earth. Is he not going to do it? He says on the last day, the true believers, he, he's going to resurrect the true believers from the dead and give them new bodies and all those who are living are going to be caught up. Will he not do it? Of course he will. God is God. Or, and he goes on in verse 19, Or hath he spoken, and shall not he make it good? See see the, the, the assurance that we have? Has he said, and will he not do it? God will absolutely do and fulfill all his promises and commitments to his people. It is guaranteed. It is guaranteed. You know, when you buy stocks, uh, United States, I don't familiar with the stock market or the U.S. bond, whatever, is, is backed by the United States government. You can never lose your money or whatever. But here, it doesn't come close to this. Has Have God said, and will he not do it? Of course he will. And God's people throughout the ages have lived and died and over the centuries and thousands of years and and many, well, there was a, uh, there was a small amount of people in Matthew 27 who after the resurrection of Christ, they they received their glorified body. But the majority of the people living today, after that, for hundreds of years, have died. You can't even find their bodies any, anymore. And are their bodies going to be resurrected? God is going to fulfill their promises to them also? Of course He will. God is almighty. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. And will He not do what He says He will do? Of course He will. Let's look at uh, Hebrews. That be my last verse. In, in Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. Let's read that passage. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. And here God says, And when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Wow. God is taking an oath. He's swearing by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, you know, I was reading this last night, patience, patience. Remember, the thing that God, uh, God's people are always waiting on him. Patience. After he used the example of Abraham, he patiently endured. He endured. And we're living in a day when many are not enduring this time of testing. They're falling away. They're falling away. But here, when after Abraham patiently endured, he says in verse 15, he obtained the promise. God did what he said. So are we now. We're living in a day where we're patiently enduring. Many are not enduring to the end. And and we're, the great hope is October 7th, we will finally obtain, His promise will be completed to His people. See, and it says, 
and verse 16 for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife wherein God make it very clear to us wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise and who are the heirs of promise all his elect He's showing to us heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that God will do what he says that by two immutable things in which is impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us uh, which hope we have an anchor is Christ is the anchor it's not us Christ is the anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that which within the veil and see how God is telling us and he says and says whether a forerunner is for us entered even Jesus made an high priest uh, forever after the order of Melchizedek see how God is telling us over and over again that what he says to us he swear by himself that he will do what he says he will do God did and he didn't have to do that he didn't have to go in, into this but we're glad that he did to tell us that when he makes promises when he says he will do what he says God will do it and we could trust that until our last breath and God's people will trust what he says without question because the Bible is absolutely true and what God says and we're looking for that great hope that soon in a few days and uh, the evidence is overwhelming in a few days that God will finally complete the salvation where all the true believers will receive their glorified spiritual body on that day and we will be with him for all eternity what a blessing okay let's stop here and let's pray heavenly father we thank you lord for this time together around your word oh lord we thank you for all your wonderful and precious promises that you have given to us in your word the bible there is no greater book than the bible man can have written volumes and volumes and volumes and tens of thousands of volumes of books throughout this world and none can be compared to the bible because thy people know without a doubt that the Bible is absolute truth the Bible is God's Word he spoke as he said in the word the holy men of God spoke as God the Holy Spirit moved them and this is so that word is true and God's people love your word and there is no book where we would rather spend time to read than the Bible and O Lord as we wait patiently upon you for you to fulfill your promises O Lord O Father strengthen us even these last days I want to pray also, Father, for the track distribution this afternoon. Could it be that we may come across some of thine elect as we go forth to feed sheep? We know without a doubt that the door to heaven is closed. It's closed. And, oh, Lord, we want to pray for those, uh, Gunther and the team that is in Chile. We pray that you will give them traveling mercies and pray that you will strengthen them each day and physically and spiritually. And, oh, Lord, we thank you for each one of us who are here. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will bless, O oh Lord, your word to our heart. And in all things that we do today and for the rest of our lives, O oh Lord, that thy name may be glorified and be uplifted. We thank you, O oh Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a short break, and then Chris is going to come up with his, his study.